0: Check out our daily articles on our website, lawenforcementtoday.com. And while you're there, download our free app. Be sure to like and follow us on Facebook. Search for Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. He's retired from the New York Police Department. He's an author. He's an activist for law enforcement officers. He's here to talk about his career in the NYPD, in particular, the events surrounding the terror attack on 9-11. The Law Enforcement Today radio show is brought to you in part by the Help For Our Heroes program at Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725. Online at helpforourheroes.com. The Help For Our Heroes program at Transformations Treatment Center provides a comprehensive range of treatments for substance abuse, addiction, co-occurring mental health disorders, and PTSD. Plus, they offer complete treatment for mental health issues for those without substance abuse problems. Finally, our heroes have access to a world-class program for PTSD, anxiety, depression, and more. In addition to multiple rehabilitation and holistic treatments for all those that suffer from substance abuse problems, The Help for Our Heroes program at Transformations Treatment Center is a nationally acclaimed veterans and first responders treatment program where law enforcement, firefighters, veterans, and all first responders receive the separate and highly specialized treatment they need. Their program features first responders and veterans helping first responders and veterans. Got questions? They have the answers at the Help for Our Heroes program at Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725. That's 888-991-9725. Online at helpforourheroes.com. Calling us from the New York City area, we have retired NYPD officer David Chenise on the Law Enforcement Today Show. David, thanks so much for joining us today.
1: Oh, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure.
0: You know what? I've been working on this since march of 2017 trying to get you on the show whether you knew it or not this is a guy i've been trying to get on the show for over two years and somehow it just kind of all fell into place I'm um, sorry to hear that. I wish I would have. I wish I would have known sooner. Well, and, uh, you're busy great guy. To finally, be here. You're busy guy. I'm a busy guy, and it th- just happens that way. For those who don't know, uh, David is retired NYPD. Uh, we'll talk about that a bit. He's also an author. We'll talk about that. Uh, he's done a lot of activist work for law enforcement officers we'll talk a little bit about that but mainly we we'll are going to talk about his career in nypd and particularly the events uh surrounding 9-11 first of all bird's eye view david how long were you on the job
1: i was on the job just over 16 years before i was uh sidelined with a uh, line of duty injury
0: well thank you for your service uh, i know what that's mm, like you. to mine was like, 12 years and all of a sudden one day uh, it was over and i wasn't expecting to be over
1: no no same here had uh No intention on being over, Uh, didn't want it to be over, but uh, unfortunately, uh, I guess as it may be, God had bigger plans.
0: Sometimes that's the way it works. And I don't know about you, but did it take a while to find your new normal, your new mission in life after you retired?
1: Oh yeah, absolutely.
0: It was definite
1: when, when it showed itself, but it took a while to get there. And it was a rough road until it happened, but you know, God definitely uh, revealed His plans for me and, and set things in motion.
0: Before we go into details, because it, it was the anniversary of nine eleven not that long ago. And this is a sensitive subject for lots of people, not just people in law enforcement or firefighters, but for, for all. I don't care what agency you worked at. It's a very emotional topic. And for most Americans, I know, uh, it's that way. But before we get into the details of that, you, you've written a book. Tell us a little bit about the book and where people can get more information about it.
1: Okay. Uh, actually I Actually, have, I have a book in the works, uh, but the, uh, the book I, I recently released, it's uh, A Police Officer's Safety Guide in Troubled Times. And what had happened is uh, it came to me after uh, the recent firing uh, and recent controversy behind the firing of uh, our, p- our police commissioner with uh, the Gardner case had terminated. I, you know, again, I don't know your listeners how well they know, but we had had the Gardner case where uh, the media went on a rampage saying the officer had uh, chokehold and put a tr- the uh, defendant in a chokehold, which... Wasn't the case if you followed it, but unfortunately, this this young officer, uh, Polento, pa, I'm sorry, Palianto, uh he was terminated. Uh, long long story short, they caved to political pressure, fired this kid. Now this kid had beat civil cases. This kid had beat uh, Department of Justice investigations, the criminal charge from the DA, beat it all. No charges pressed. Everything was good. The department felt uh, he needed to be terminated. It is what it is. uh... There were calls from union bosses at that time, all different ranks, saying, "Hey, we got to shut this down." Which you know, listen, you know the deal. Bosses are big to say that, but when push comes to shove, they don't want to deal with the consequence. They don't follow through. I was always a big fan. There was a couple incidents when I was with the NYPD of things that had happened, uh, whether it be uh, no contracts or again something similar to someone being fired or an officer being killed, where. Bosses and union bosses did the same thing. We're going to slow down, we're going to shut them down, we're going to show them who's boss, we're going to get our rights back. You know, again, I just think the bosses don't have what it takes to do it. They don't have the courage, the intestinal fortitude, and they certainly, under the Taylor Act, don't want to go to jail. That being said, uh, you know, it didn't take long to come to me that our patrol guide that we have, that we're governed by, um, our department policies and procedures are actually perfect tools to doing just this shutting down the police department, doing it 100% legally, 100% correct, and and giving it back to them and letting them know that we mean business. So what I did is I outlined in the book ways in which officers could do this as a way to fight back. Now, the idea and the whole principle of doing it is not hurting the people you serve. We're charged to protect them. We've taken an oath, and we have to do that. But you have a lot of guys on the job who forget that when they're chasing a perp and they twist their ankle, well, they won't go to the hospital, get checked out, get taken off the clock for the day they'll suck it up, deal with it, and go to continue doing what they do. But the book highlights, and, and again, it, it's really it's sarcasm. It was a way for me to vent, and a lot of guys who have read it gave, fed, gave the, the feedback that they loved it, because, again, it was how they felt. Uh, there was humor to it. They knew where I was coming from, and they saw how it could work, uh, and it brought things to light for them. But the idea was is if we followed their own procedures, the city would not operate. Exactly. Exactly. Um,
0: you know, so that's not just in New York thing, offend- That's that's oh everywhere. Ahead, if every officer across the United States did everything exactly by the book, followed every rule and regulation and procedure, they'd handle about three calls a day. And you think the backlog is bad now. Exactly. And so exactly. You, you cannot do everything by the book. Sounds great in theory, but in reality it doesn't work. That's correct. That's correct.
1: But even in in this case, is also what will be thrown at us every time something doesn't go right. Right. Which again, like you said, you you know, nothing goes right. I I mean, I don't care what job you're in; you can be, uh, you can be um, a. uh, a maid in in a hotel, you could be a, a chef at a fancy restaurant. Something's going to go wrong. You're going to be short linens. You're going to be short eggs. You got to improvise and do what you got to do. Um, now, granted, when you're cops, firefighters, first responders of any sort, and even military, sometimes those missing eggs end up costing lives. But it is the damage that comes along with the job, and and it's unfortunate. It's tragic, but it happens doesn't mean that it's wrong, that the officer did anything wrong. You know, a lot of times, again, you know, like in the Gardner case, these are events that unfolded based on the actions of the defendant. You know, life I always say life is like a choose-your-own-adventure. This gentleman made a lot of unfortunate decisions um, in the course of that day, several of them involving the police, that at any given point he had just stopped and did the complete opposite of what he actually did. He'd probably be alive today and with his family.
0: Absolutely. But, and what's the old saying is the police really don't have control over the outcome. It's right. totally in the suspect, defendant, perpetrator's hands. They decide which, how far this is going to go. Exactly. Exactly.
1: And so, again, it was that incident, really, that got me to say, hey, I'm going to throw this out there. Because even though the union bosses, our union bosses, do say, hey, guys, do everything by the book, they've never actually sat down and explained to the officers what exactly is by the book. You know, you have a fender bender pulling up to a hot job to cause scuffed bumpers. According to our our procedure, just because it's scuffed bumpers doesn't matter. Both cars have to be taken out of service. Right. And if it happens on a midnight, you've got to wait till our central repair shop is back open the next weekday at 8 o'clock in the morning. You've taken two cars completely out of service. And that's so the way it is across the United States. Guys it's don't not, realize.
0: That's a, just, and people really want to get into this. That's a New York thing. It's not a New York thing. It's a Baltimore thing. It's a Philly thing. It's a Chicago, mm-hmm. Los Angeles. It doesn't matter. And if the officer, let's just say you have a slight fender bender with another patrol car on the way to a hot call and you disregard policies and procedures and continue on, you could wind up being fired. You can wind up being suspended without pay and your family not having insurance for an extended period of time while you're waiting charges. It can go on and on and on. And we're not making excuses here. Before we get wrapped up in this conversation more, where can people get more details about that book?
1: Um, well, they can. It's uh, it's available uh, through Amazon Kindle, and again, the name of the book is A Police Officer's Safety Guide in Troubled Times. Or they can just uh, put in a search bar with Amazon my uh, first and last name, which is David, and the last name is spelt C H I A N E S E. It'll be the first thing that pops up on this
0: search. On that note, we're going to take a short break. We are talking with David Chenise, retired NYPD. This is Law Enforcement Today's show. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Finally, our heroes have access to a world-class program for PTSD, anxiety, depression, and more. The Help for Our Heroes program at Transformations Treatment Center provides a comprehensive range of treatments for substance abuse, addiction, co-occurring mental health disorders, and PTSD. Plus, they offer complete treatment for mental health issues for those without substance abuse problems. This portion of the Law Enforcement Today radio show is brought to you in part by Pet Rescue Life Facebook page. Everyone's welcome at the Pet Rescue Life Facebook page where you'll find fun, informative, and enjoyable posts daily. Purebred, mixed breeds, rescues, we love them all. Be sure to like the Pet Rescue Life Facebook page. Back to our conversation with retired NYPD David Chenise on the Law Enforcement Today show. David, first of all, Thank you for clarifying how to pronounce your last name. Ever since I used to watch The Sopranos years ago, I never got that last name right. There was an actor with the same last name, Dominic Janisse. Yes, that's correct. Good old Dominic. And I think he was Uncle Junior, to be honest with you. I'm not certain. Yes, yeah. The character was Uncle Junior. That's correct. Absolutely. Oh, what a character he was. There's something about that. Hollywood loves to dramatize police, especially police in in Jersey, New York City, Brooklyn, wherever it might be, a certain way. And they do the same thing with other groups, with the Italians, with the Irish, and uh, there's always a negative stereotype. Uh, you got to take that stuff with a grain of salt, folks. For those who aren't aware, we're going to talk a little bit about what life is really like. For example, you were in the NYPD for 16 years before you retired. And that's correct. during your career, you handled everything like most cops I know, you handle them soup to nuts, crazy people, emotionally disturbed people. The only thing I didn't handle that came close to was delivering a baby. And that was one of my biggest fears.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, I, yeah, we did. Uh, Potter and I did when I was in Brooklyn and, uh, what well, we really didn't actually, um, you know, the, the mom pretty much <laughs> the mom pretty much did it all herself. Uh, it literally was uh, it was kind of a catch. It was uh, scoop them up in your jacket and uh, wait for EMS to get there.
0: That's uh, uh, luckily in I, New York City uh, though. I was scared quick. to death of that. I, that thing, that's the one thing that had me more petrified than anything else I ever handled.
1: You know. <laughs> Yeah, it 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 act, You know what? It, it was it, there was nothing to it. It was just it, it was. I got to be honest with you. It was, it was kind of amazing. You, you couldn't even. You, you can't really put it into words. Um, you know, again. But for me in New York, I think my 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 toughest. You know, I've always had calls that I said would be. Oh, that was my roughest. That was my toughest. And I had a few. Uh, I had one in early uh, 2001, actually mid 2001, about Father's Day with the Father's Day fire. Um, And then, of course, I just pretty much got back to work when September 11th happened. And and that was pretty much my
0: big thing. Um, That was a big deal for a lot of people. A lot of people. And we've lost a lot of people. We lost a lot of people that day. A lot of police, a lot of fire. And we've lost many more since then due to uh, 9-11 related cancers.
1: Yes, absolutely. Cancers, neurological issues, both civilian and law enforcement and firefighters as well.
0: Before we get into the details of that day, I'll tell you a little story. Many years ago, before they had the new uh, site, it's still construction. There was a big hole. I was there on business for other things, and they had a couple NYPD guys out there, and I went up to them, and I identified myself as a retired police sergeant from Baltimore, and I just wanted to say that I couldn't imagine, but I got like two words out and and burst out in tears, to this day- I find it very difficult to even begin to comprehend the amount of devastation. I'm not talking about the, the buildings. I'm talking about the the loss of life. To have that many people perish in one day, I, I don't know where you begin with that.
1: You know, I, I yeah, I, I got to be honest with you. I have no idea myself. Uh, I mean, it is, it's surreal. It really is, and and every anniversary brings it back. You know, you see it. You, you know, again, I, knowing exactly where I was, and, and 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 everything that's happened since then, just cannot cannot wrap my brain about it around it. But I also have, you know, I always say to myself, having a hard time. Um, you know, I have a hard time dealing with the, a lot of the conspiracy nuts that are out there.
0: I'm uh, glad you brought 9/11. that up. I get I get um, very yeah. aggravated, and very angry at them.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. And and you argue with them. Um, and 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 I've done it. And I'm like, dude, you, you oh, there were no planes. It was no planes. It was. I'm like, we were there, dude. Like, you know, heard it, saw it, felt it. You know, there. And then they're like, no, you're part of the conspiracy. You know, which I've heard from some crazy, you know, really crazy nuts. Um, but you know, the other the other thing I do have to say about it, which is it blows my mind. Uh, you know, when we always used to joke around about it in the squad room, but it was legit. We would have people call us to tell us that they knew of a small group, two or three people, uh, let's say, trying to hit a a jewelry store. Yeah, just two or three months they're going to hit a jewelry store. We would get tips to it. It was two or three people and a jewelry store. You had all these people planning this for years, and not one single tip
0: came in. And the whole conspiracy theory... What I always say is there's an old saying that, that a lot of organized crime groups say is that three people can keep a secret if two are dead. So everybody yeah. they talk to, the thousands of people that have to be involved in this conspiracy theory, some of the people are beginning to say no. And some of them would say, uh, not only am I not okay with this, I'm going to blow the whistle. But none of that occurred because there was no conspiracy theory.
1: There wasn't. There, there you know, which is part of the. It's what I try to get to people, they say it. And it is amazing that nothing came out just for the mere people that were involved. But this was not, you know, like you said, it wasn't a conspiracy theory, but it actually well, was a well-oiled machine. There was military precision to it to a degree. This is what they do. And, you know, it's, I, I, it, it's like how we used guerrilla warfare against the British back during the Revolutionary War, and they were unable to prepare for it. This was, this was our shot. This was their guerrilla warfare against us. We were not prepared for this. You know, our, our history, for the most part, is going to war against organized militaries, right. not, not this. They basically threw, you know, our Lexington and Concord right back at us with modern-day technology. And again, which is why we've been really good to adapting to it and stopping another one from happening, because it is only a matter of time. But the, the old saying that they only have to get it once and we have to be 100% right... We picked up quick on that learning curve, and so far we've been lucky and pretty much 100%
0: right. Another thing that springs to mind that a lot of people don't seem to realize—they maybe they got it—you know, on September 12th and 13th and 14th, and for a few months afterwards—but they've seemed to have lost it. Is that our law enforcement is our first line of defense against foreign attack? whether it be military or uh, terrorist subversive groups, doesn't matter. It takes forever to scramble the military. So it's our local law enforcement. I don't know who they think is coming. I love the Navy SEALs. I love the Marine Corps. They're not equipped to handle invasions right away in the United States. That's where your local police are involved and your state police.
1: Absolutely. And uh, like you said, unfortunately there's there's a majority of, well, I, I, let me rephrase that. I don't think there's a majority, uh, but there certainly is a minority that's very vocal in how it shouldn't be us to do it. Um, our tactics are infringing on their freedoms or whatnot. But that freedom they're being infringed that's being infringed upon them is what's preventing them from ending up on one of the numerous... Have you seen me posters that were all over lower Manhattan after the World Trade Center was struck?
0: I remember Um, them,
1: yeah. They were literally everywhere. You bag search going into a subway. But if these people had actually ever seen the damage that was done in the tubes in London uh, when they did that attack in in their transit system, it's devastating. And if a bag search holds you up 30 seconds to a minute um, but keeps everyone safe, hey, it is what it is. I can tell you right now, if the cops find a little bit of weed or something on you, it's not what they're looking for. They may not notice it. They're just looking for wires, batteries, stuff like that that's going to tip them off to a bigger problem. If people just got to get their act together and start getting on board, or unfortunately something, something drastic is going to happen.
0: And the name has changed, We or the game has changed dramatically for local law enforcement. With 9 11, uh, which was not the first terror attack on the World Trade Center, we had the Boston Marathon bombing. We just had recently had the guy putting the uh, pressure cooker type deals in the subways in New York. And, and mm-hmm. you know who's handling this, ladies and gentlemen? It's street cops. And when I say street cop, I mean that with utmost respect. And and we'll talk about that more. We are talking with David Shanice, retired NYPD. This is the Law Enforcement Today show. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. How did I transition from police work to a career in radio? Plus, host of the syndicated Law Enforcement Today radio talk show and podcast. I attended the Connecticut Schools of Broadcasting, where I learned by doing. At the Connecticut Schools of Broadcasting, students learn in months, not years, For veterans, some or all your tuition could be covered by your VA benefits. Connecticut Schools of Broadcasting, training in audio-video production, television, sports, podcasting, radio, and web development. Get more information, call 800-887-2346 or online at gocsb.com. For special offers and consideration, tell them you heard about them from law enforcement today. How did I transition from police work to a career in radio? Plus, host of the syndicated Law Enforcement Today radio talk show and podcast. I attended the Connecticut Schools of Broadcasting, where I learned by doing. At the Connecticut Schools of Broadcasting, students learn in months, not years. For veterans, some or all your tuition could be covered by your VA benefits. Connecticut Schools of Broadcasting, training in audio-video production, television, sports, podcasting, radio, and web development get more information, call 800-887-2346 or online at gocsb.com. For special offers and consideration, tell them you heard about them from law enforcement today. Back to our conversation with David Chenise, retired NYPD. I believe retired the rank of detective. Is that correct?
1: That's correct, yes.
0: See, you guys, it's a little bit different from where I was. a police officer and detective were pretty much the same rank, just different job descriptions. In New York, it's a, it's a different rank. So before I forget, thank you for your service. And, and that's something I'm trying to get better at saying. And to be honest with you, when people say it to me, I never quite know what to say. And I stumble and bumble through it. I'm trying to get better and just say thank you. But thank you very much for your service. Or I'll say you're welcome.
1: Well, thank you. And again, thank you for your service. And you're welcome. I, it was a pleasure to serve everybody. You know, I think it's just in the nature of the calling for what we do.
0: And, and that's a great way of putting it. Personally, I was giving serious thought to being a priest first and then realized that wasn't for me and police work was. And like you, my career was ended due to line of duty injury. But one of the things we talked about, and this is something I don't think people really quite comprehend, the days of the 50s and the 60s where police were uneducated are gone. They're long, long gone and have been for a long time. You take a normal everyday street cop, even a rookie out of the academy, they gotta be able to handle terrorism threats, medical emergencies, know whether to administer Narcan, deliver baby, and they gotta be able to do all of it quickly and make a decision like in thirty seconds. Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: And that that's just that's just the basics. You know, how about the fact that they have to come up with decisions based on case law or potential future case law that might take a learned judge eight months to figure out. Reality is is you gotta do it in under a minute.
0: For a whole lot less money they make and it's a whole lot more dangerous right
1: exactly and again remember the judges and the da's they all have their their protections from lawsuits and everything else but you as an officer you're on the hook and you got to think fast then you better be 100 percent right
0: and they think that when i say they uh politicians and news media groups like that activist groups are working very diligently to try to erode even further what protections law enforcement officers have from civil liability, which is much oh. to begin with.
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But it's payday for them. You know, let's be honest. Most attorneys, or, or I should say most, most uh, politicians are attorneys, uh, and most of them are not coming from the side of the DA. They're coming, they're coming from the other side, the dark side of the law, if you will, the ambulance chasers and whatnot. So for them to uh, partner with uh, you know, their, um, their cohorts in the, uh, the advocacy groups that are out there, the anti-police group, the BLM movements, and the Antifa movements to handicap us, also really, not only does it help push their agenda, but it really also helps them to expand their net worth in the lawsuits against us.
0: And that's what it's all about, money. The very first yep. thing that happened with us in Baltimore, and I'm sure it happened with you guys, is i had other people on from NYPD, uh, especially when we narcotics, we take a gun off a guy, a substantial amount of narcotics, uh, for felony distribution, and the very first thing they would do, the defense attorney says, make a complaint against the officers for excessive force and discourtesy. And nothing ever happened Absolutely. to him, even though it was proven to be totally unfounded.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know what? It's a you know, The topic maybe for another show, but it brings up a good point, too, with these dangerous new red flag laws they want to pull up. You know, a lot of our officers out there, uh, you know, you're going to have officers that are put in danger trying to retrieve these firearms from people. But how many of these criminals are now going to turn around these dirt bags and start filing complaints? anonymously against officers to get officers jammed up or pulled off the street for a couple of weeks get them pulled or yanked out of their
0: detail just and, a complete disaster and there we go that's the thing about you got to be very very careful nowadays in law enforcement a the old rule of thumb was you, you go home alive and you go home right and through the same physical condition you were before before you got there uh and, and we we try to do the same with mental and emotional but Quite honestly, he failed on that part. I don't know if anybody that does his career for long enough doesn't get seriously dinged up.
1: Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, and again, like you said, psychologically or physically, uh, you do take a beating. You absolutely take a beating. It's the nature of the job, and I think that's why you really gotta you really gotta love it. You know, it only takes a few years, I believe, for uh, for the job to weed out those that are just in this to hold the over people who couldn't you know couldn't find value in their college degree and just needed something to pay off the debt and took the job they don't last too long if they do they probably end up you know making boss and sitting behind a desk somewhere and second guessing everything we do but the reality is i think most of them get pushed out
0: and I, I believe you are 100% correct. That's about five years, there's a, a filtration process. Those who really want to be there stay. Those who don't uh, w- will be forced out. And be honest with you, the, the shady guys, they tend to get forced out very, very quickly. That's another Hollywood myth, at least in Baltimore. Shady, corrupt police, no one wanted them around.
1: No, no, it doesn't. And, and although there may be... You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of people that say, well, you know, if they're dirty, people won't people won't talk. Um, you know, a dirty cop gets cops killed, and a dirty cop, people are going to talk about. People are going to get it out there. We not, it may not be done in a way uh, where the public sees it, but within the department itself, word gets around. People know. People stay clear, and the department itself usually gets most of them i mean a few get through but remember there's over a million of us in the nation how many times do you hear this uh you know hear this in the news a year five six
0: eight very rarely percentage wise but when i talk to people who are not in law enforcement they make it sound like it's every other guy Absolutely,
1: complete departments. I mean, listen, you're in Baltimore. I, you know, I'm NYPD. Uh, you know, or, and you know, look at LAPD. They're all corrupt. If, if you ask anyone, they're all corrupt. Same with Miami. There are no good cops. They're all dirty. You know, obviously not the case. Yeah. But, you know, we're, these are people we're never going to win over. The, the 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 battle to 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 right the ship, turn things around, improve, improve morale. Um, those people that feel that way, we will never win. I, I like to not even waste my time with them. They start I, I with that. All right, we're done. I, I can't sway you. I'm not going to try.
0: There's an old saying. Two, that Try, I, think, I give it a shot. Yeah, I think Mark Twain said it that uh, never argue with an idiot because they'll just drag you down to their own level and beat you with experience. So to, to a point I believe you're correct, but I really and I'm wondering how you feel about this. I really think the news media and the entertainment media, Hollywood in particular, have a lot to do with shaping the opinion uh, that all police are horrible.
1: Oh, absolutely. Uh, You know, when I first started getting into advocacy, it was because of the media. Uh, The organization I had started at the time, Lesmo, stood for uh, Law Enforcement and Supporters for Media Accountability. That's what it was all about. Um, It was actually started uh, after um, uh, a reporter, uh, Whitfield, at a CNN, she she made a comment in regards to an individual who attacked... um, Uh, I believe it was a Houston Police Department police station with pipe bombs and with snipers shooting out the windows. She called the individual a hero for standing up for a cause he believed in, even though it was attacking the police. And it was at that moment that I'm like, you know what, I'm sick of this. I'm done. I have a voice. I can speak. You can't hurt me. You can't take my pension. The hell with this. We're going to get the right story out there. The media's always been horrible. but I mean, from day one, it's, it's the theory that Bad news sells headlines. Headlines sell; they can drive up the profits on 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 their marketing, um, and and therefore make money. It's all about in the pockets. You will hear a good story when a cop dies because guess what? That sells news too. Right. But when you hear the other good stories about how you know, uh, you know, again today in New York, uh, a police officer shot in the hand. Uh, four officers jumped on and wrestled an armed assailant. Uh, who is abusing his wife, you know, it'll get its 30 seconds
0: of news. That's right. It'll be, and it'll, be, it. it'll be buried. The old saying they had in Baltimore is, if it bleeds, it leads. And, and, and by the way, anti-police, it bleeds. And that draws a lot of eyeballs, whether it be for newspapers, uh, for radio news, for television news, it doesn't matter. It draws a lot of attention, and a lot of attention means sales. Especially... Nowadays, with newspapers losing their distribution in droves due to the internet, we're talking with David Chenise. This is Law Enforce Today's show. We take a short break. We'll be right back. Everyone's welcome at the Pet Rescue Life Facebook page, where you'll find fun, informative, and enjoyable posts daily. Purebred, mixed breeds, rescues—we love them all. Be sure to like the Pet Rescue Life Facebook page. <laughs> If you've missed past episodes of the Law Enforcement Today show, never fear. You can listen to them online. Just go to our website, lawenforcementtoday.com, or download our free app, also available on our website. That's lawenforcementtoday.com. I'm John J. Wiley, joined by David Chenise, retired NYP detective uh, on the Law Enforcement Today show. One of the reasons we have the Law Enforcement Today show is that we want to provide a platform for law enforcement officers in particular, other first responders, survivors, and and even victims of crime that aren't in law enforcement to tell their stories because news media does a horrible job. Uh, and, And one of my favorite examples is you have a case where an officer's been shot and is in horrible condition, has catastrophic lifelong injuries, and they'll say... The good news is the injuries are not life-threatening, and they move on, and they never talk about what that what that officer has to go through, what his family or her family had to go through. They they never bring those things up, and they don't talk about the impact it has not just on the immediate family, but their neighbors and their their coworkers and their community as a whole. Absolutely, it's sickening,
1: you know. And again, it's time and time again, uh, officers. Uh, it, it, you know, we're only a headline that's worth it when we're dead. That's all they care about. Other than that, like you said, oh, you're lucky enough to live, you'll get your pension, you'll go home. It's the after effects that always get you that they don't care about. Uh, and, 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 of course, once you're gone, the department forgets about you. And, uh, you know, it just creates a whole, a whole bunch
0: of problems. Boy, you are talking with the department forgetting about you. That's like overnight. It's like turning off the door, the light switch, when you close the door for a room.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, they instantaneously. And I get it too. There were a lot, you know, there were a lot of cops I I worked with uh and helped that were having depression issues after leaving the job and and one of the biggest things they said was my own, my own guys I worked with have forgotten about me. They don't come in to check in on me. They don't call, they don't this, they don't that. And and I would tell each and every one of them, "Yeah, exactly. Cuz you're not on the job anymore. You're free of the burden of the job. They're still dealing with it." You are now going and forgetting about getting your, your, your chops busted over. Whole, like for us on the squad, why do you have 30 open cases? I don't like the way you closed this case. Uh, 1PP wants your case folder for CompStat. How come you didn't put a picture in that folder? Uh, how come you did 28 uh, dv 5s uh, investigative reports on that one case? You should have done 40. Uh, wh- why, did, you know, why did it take you seven days to do a follow-up? Um, You know, you know, or seven days in three minutes. You were supposed to have it done in exactly seven days. And it's nonsense. I understand it's their political stuff and their administrative stuff they gotta deal with, but you're free of it now. These guys are still living it. It's not that I don't love you, not that I don't think about you, but let's be honest, they just ain't got the time. And they also
0: tend to think that, you know, hey, you're in the rocking chair, you're going fishing every day, and and life is good for you. You you got the reward and uh, all the bad stuff's over but getting back to the conversation 911 and and the article you wrote and we're going to have you back again to talk about this cuz i believe you got a book coming out about it That's those that. things don't leave you no no
1: it's every you know <laughs> you're just mentioning it too, and i'm tearing
0: up a little bit that's okay you um, don't have to talk about it now i'm just going to tell people those things don't leave you and when we say no. and you hear people say this and, and i have a lot of military brothers and sisters combat veterans a lot of police officers a lot of firefighters uh corrections officers and even our dispatchers say i wish my mind could forget some of the things i've seen and some of the things i had to go through and they don't yeah you know, and if you're yeah. if you're really lucky, you begin to understand the impact on you. And if you're really fortunate, you have a spouse who understands that. Hey, you're not the same cat you were when you were 19.
1: Yeah, it, it, it you know, you hit the nail right on the head. Um, it's taken a little work, uh, as you said, both for myself and 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 my wife, and and even my kids. Um, but it's it's hard it's, it's every, it's every day. Anything brings it up, you know, even now, um, you know, I wasn't, you know, I was working when it all happened and I wasn't down at ground zero when the, the planes collapsed, uh, you know, uh, not planes collapsed, when the buildings collapsed and when the second plane hit, um, I was working uh, in my command and we, you know, this price, the security procedures we had to take, the sensitive locations uh, that were in my command that, had to be protected based on the fact that if they didn't, it, was going to actually, it would have made actually the World Trade Center look like a joke. And no one knew what was going to happen. So we had facilities we had to secure that would have devastated the city if they got hit. My first shift there was the following morning, uh, 4 a.m., delivered on a city bus, a whole bunch of us, and sent out there. And seeing this war zone, the fires raging, the smoke acres literally of flesh and debris, small debris. I mean there were no office chairs. Like I wrote in that article, that literally no office chairs. Entire building and not one chair makes it, you know? It was just devastating to see it and, and working on, on the the the, the pile and, and, and seeing the bucket brigades and smelling it and doing security posts and everything else down there in, in months and months to come. Just it blows your mind and it does give you in, unbelievable feeling of survivor guilt. You know, and it's not survivor guilt in the sense of, like, I was there and could have grabbed somebody, or guys I know who were there, and saw somebody running to them as they're reaching to pull them in under a van or a fire engine, and all of a sudden the smoke catches up to them, the person disappears and is gone. Pulverized by debris. It's just being there and knowing you're part of the NYPD. You were out there every day doing your job, busting your butt for the city. Was there a clue out there that you missed? Was there something out there? You know, the stories that came out afterwards about houses going empty, mail stacking up, families gone, not jokes. It was legit. Yeah. It was in the command I worked in. Uh, mosques emptying out and people celebrating happened in my command. <laughs> I can tell you now, you know, and recently it was reported uh, Kerrig uh had mentioned it was legit. we had it in the city. uh Trump talked about reports of it in Jersey, which was confirmed. There were reports, right? The Democrats will tell you it never happened. I can tell you firsthand we 've seen it it is the the guilt you have knowing that you were doing this work and that that this had happened, and wondering whether or not at least for me was there something that was overlooked? Was there anything that might have changed. You might have done that. Changed it. That car that blew through the stop sign that you didn't stop could have very well led to something preventing this. And you do get an overwhelming when you have pride for your job, your city, your department, um, and, and you have absolute love of your country. And this happens, you 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 feel it. You know there's a possible you know scenario in which something might have came out of it. And and you just wonder, is it something I missed? Yeah. And it's day in and day out. And and literally, I'll wake up in the middle of the night and I can smell the pile. Uh, it's like the weirdest, weirdest thing, like even to today. Or here in the middle of the night, I'll hear the whistle blow. And and, and and I'll just, you know, they would blow the whistle if they thought one of the other buildings was coming down or, or anything along those lines or a large piece of rubble was going to come crashing down. They'd blow the whistle. You can hear it. In the middle of your sleep, it wakes you up, or you hear the machines churning and dumping steel in the middle of the night. And, and it, again, it, it just doesn't, like, people are like, oh, never forget. And, and I agree, never forget. And I'll do everything I can so people remember. But I would also do, like you said, I would do anything I could so that for just a year. I could have peace and forget it.
0: One of the things that people ask me if you, if you go back in time, would you do anything different? And, and as far as police work goes, there's maybe one call I wouldn't have gone to, uh, but other oh. than that, I, and, and even though I know about me now, I still would have gone because yeah. that's what we did, and it's yeah. not like we had a lot of choice.
1: No, it, it, you know what? It, and again, it's true. I would have. I wouldn't give anything. I wouldn't have changed anything I've ever done. Um. The only thing I might have changed, realistically, and, and, and you know, it, it's stupid it's stupid to say, but the only, thing I, the only thing I could say I would have changed, one thing I could have changed, and one thing I wish would have changed, the one thing I would have changed is, is I wish I would have actually gotten down there and maybe been able to be that extra guy to pull a few extra bodies out that day. But I, I had a, a lieutenant at the time, I was literally just back from a Father's Day fire, uh, that was obviously earlier that same year where a building blew up and killed three firefighters, and I got injured digging through the debris to pull them out. So I was out for a while. And it was amazing. I go out on that line of duty for for a building, and as soon as I come back, I'm back because of a building. And he's like, you know what? Maybe it's an omen. You're staying back.
0: Maybe it's a, um, a, a, from one horror scene to another.
1: Right. And, but you know what? The reality is, is he might have saved my life. Who the hell knows? But... That I, there's part of me, again, with the guilt that still wonders, like, is, is someone dead because maybe I should have been there to pull them out?
0: I hear you. And we're, we're going to have to talk about this again, David, because yeah. the whole survivor's guilt, none of it makes sense. We all know it's not logical. We know it's not rational, but it doesn't make it easier to deal with. Uh, it, there's so many conversations that you and I can have. Uh, I appreciate you spending time with us today on the Law Enforcement Today show, and I really cannot wait to have you back again in the future. Thanks so very much. Oh, thanks for having me, Can't wait We come back. When you have a chance, be sure to go to our website, lawenforcementtoday.com, and download our free mobile app. We have a version for your Android and iPhone devices. It's 100% free. Get it at lawenforcementtoday.com. I'd like to thank our guests so much for coming on the Law Enforcement Today show. We've got another great guest on your way next week. Don't miss it. Until then, this is John J. Wiley. See ya. Yeah.